Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. Today I'm going to focus on a very large um, segment of our listeners and readers. Um, when I say a large segment, I'm referring to uh, groups of clients or the group of clients who are uh, working at IT or IT related or IT services businesses like you know Infosys, Wipro and so on and um, either in the United States or India or UK or somewhere like that and are pursuing or considering pursuing a full-time NBA because they have been led to believe that that is the shortest route to get them into a consulting firm so you know if you are between the ages of 26 and 32 most likely you may be outside those extremes and you are thinking and you and you work at one of these firms and you are thinking about leaving because you don't find the work fulfilling or you don't see it as a route to management or you don't see it as teaching you the skills to to be a business problem solver you are most likely considering an MBA and you know some of you are considering European MBA programs that are one year others will consider some Canadian programs that are one year and two years but the majority of you are going to be considering American programs which are primarily if not all of them are one year program uh, sorry two year programs so the reason I did this podcast is because I know that many of you have poor facts at hand when making this decision so I'm going to lay out what the problem is and then I'm going to talk you through some of the ways you need to think this through. The problem you have here is that a large number, I would say 90 to 95% of you, are going to sign up for a ridiculously expensive MBA in the United States, which if you include the opportunity cost of lost salary, it's going to set you back about $350,000 plus all of the experience you had working at your IT services firm just to hopefully get an interview at McKinsey, BCG or Bain or whichever firm you are pursuing. Now, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. If that is your strategy, that has to be the most expensive interview in the world. I mean, you're basically spending $350,000 plus opportunity costs and lost experience to get an interview. Now, what many people forget or fail to understand is that when you're an MBA candidate, it is quite easy to get an interview. Yes, some people don't get interviews, but it is quite easy to get an interview because consulting firms go quite broad in the uh, first round interview. They, they, They bring in more people than they would typically interview because they feel that they have the process, they have the structure set in place, they might as well interview as many people as possible. But that doesn't mean you're going to get the offer. So what happens is that so many people with an IT background sign up to Wharton, Kellogg, Booth, and whatever school you're joining, and are really excited when they get called in for an interview. But little do they realize that that's about as far as they're going to go, right? I'm not saying you're not going to make the transition into general management consulting or general strategy consulting, but the odds are heavily against you, right? So when making this decision, I want you to consider the following. Firstly, you have a number of paths available to you if you are a 28-year-old or 26-year-old or 30-year-old working at SAP or Infosys and so on. The first path is to do nothing. 
It's a very legitimate path where you simply continue in your career in SAP with your undergraduate, master's or PhD degree in engineering or computer sciences or math or whatever, it ha whatever you have that has put you onto this outsourcing or technology path. And there are pros and cons attached to that, right? The second one is to apply to McKinsey right now without doing your MBA. Again, not not an unreasonable path. I mean, people say, but wow, that's unreasonable. I've never heard of anyone doing that. Well, if you think about this in pure statistical terms, the odds of you getting in to McKinsey or BCG with just your science background without an MBA is actually equal to the odds of you getting in to McKinsey or BCG with an MBA. I know that sounds unusual, but look at the actual statistics from MBA programs versus the numbers going in and then look at the actual statistics of people interviewing at McKinsey with um, uh, scientific backgrounds without an MBA and see who's getting in. Actually, you probably have a better odds of or if you didn't do your MBA. Now, again, very counterintuitive advice here, but the numbers bear this out. If you look at any of the major schools, INSEAD, you know, Harvard, uh, McKinsey, any, sorry, not McKinsey, Kellogg, Stanford, the numbers will bear this out. Second, that's your second option. Your third option is to obviously quit your job and go and spend a small fortune, uh, give up your career track to to get the Kellogg or the whatever school's brand you want on your resume. Um, and I can assure you the probabilities of you actually making the transition are quite small. And then there's the third option, which is stay where you are at Infosys or SAP and pursue an executive MBA program um, while the executive MBAs are not as heavily hunted by consulting firms, they are hunted. Now, in considering these four or five options, there's no such thing as the best answer that applies to everyone. So I would be wary of saying, well, all my friends do this or everyone does this. You know, when people say that, I always point out that for I think like six years in a row, Fortune magazine called Enron the world's most innovative company. So just because everyone says it is right doesn't mean anything. It's probably wrong if everyone says it is right. So you need to think about what the data means for you. And of course, if it gives you comfort to do what everyone else is doing, that's fine. But let me assure you, comfort now will equal a lot of discomfort in the future when you've, you know, sucked out $350,000, which you have to pay back over something like five years, and you don't have the job you wanted. You know, you're going to be end up telling people what a great experience you had in your MBA program, because that's probably the only good thing you have to say about it. So when thinking through the options I would I would look at the following the first one is that an MBA and I've, and I've done a few podcasts on this before an MBA does not confer any exceptional status on your profile so what I'm trying to say is that if you have a material defect in your MBA, sorry, in your profile before your MBA that wasn't allowing you to get interviews or offers, you've got to understand what is the nature of that defect. If it's something like a low undergraduate GPA, going and doing an MBA at an elite school is not necessarily going to help you. It, it helps in some cases, but let me tell you something. I've never hired someone with a low undergraduate GPA in my entire life. It's never happened. So to me, the undergraduate GPA is far more important than the MBA GPA. It doesn't matter where you went into your MBA. The point is, it's far easier to, to pay attention for two years in the United States than for four years for an undergraduate program. So that's an example of a material defect in your resume. An MBA, 
sometimes will fix it. I mean, of course, there are people who have low undergraduate GPAs who go to and do an MBA at a grade school and get in, but they are the exception that prove the rule. They are not the rule. So distinguish between what is a material defect and a minor defect. MBAs can fix minor defects. A minor defect to me, and again, defect is an in inverted commas here, it's more a perception thing, is if you went to a school that's not very well known, and you know you could, you have great grades, but you just struggle to get the attention of recruiters, um, to me, that's a minor defect that an MBA would help. But even in that situation, let's assume you go to a school that's not well known by recruiters. It's an, you went to a fairly unknown undergraduate program. I would say that if you are a true leader, someone who gets things done, after you've left your MBA program, I would see traces of excellence in the career path you took. So, for example, if you went to a, I don't know, um, school that was in the Midwest United States for your undergraduate degree, not well-known, most people couldn't even name it. Sure, the school's not well-known, but that that excellence that you exhibited there with a high GPA leadership positions, it should show through in the employment roles you took after you left your undergraduate program. So, what am I trying to say here? What I'm saying is that just because you went to a weak school doesn't mean you won't get the attention of a McKinsey recruiter if you've demonstrated that level of preparedness, um, um, the ability to get things done, and the leadership attributes that you had when you did your undergraduate degree. So just because you went to a relatively unknown school doesn't mean that your, your task is finished. In fact, if someone's unable to get things done or show progression in their career, even though they did very well in their undergraduate degree, I would argue that it was they were just lucky to do well in their undergraduate degree because they don't have that consistency. So most of the time, going to an unknown school with great grades is what I would call a um, you know a minor defect that an MBA can fix. So you've got to distinguish between what's a minor and major defects. Going to an MBA program and trying to fix a major defect won't work. You would, you need to think about that. Now, you could always argue by saying that, well, you know, I have a major defect, an MBA can't hurt. Well, of course it can't hurt, but, but think about why you're doing an MBA for that reason. You're doing an MBA to improve your chances of success in the future, and that's okay. But if you have a major defect and you're doing an MBA because you think it's going to, you know, fill up all those cracks and sort of glide you into McKinsey or BCG, then I think you need to think about that again. Now, as always, there are exceptions to the rule. You're always going to hear about stories about someone who did something that was just magical, but, you know, the fact that you're hearing about that story should tell you that there's not many of them out there. If you have minor defects, by all means, do an MBA because I think it would help you. If you have major defects, don't do it. An example of another major defect could be simply just the way you communicate. I mean, I've seen candidates who you know, ex excellent paper resumes, but the communication skills are not that great. In fact, you know, I had a, someone I just spoke to 30 minutes ago who encouraged me to do this podcast. I mean, so Infosys, a uh, guy with an engineering background, worked at Infosys for something like eight years. And I spoke to him, and he, he was not speaking very clearly, strong Indian accent, but I actually thought if you ignore the accent and listen to what he's saying, this guy has a pretty good grasp of business. For someone who's never studied business, he certainly understands it better than most people. So in my mind, he's got a minor defect. Um, Communication is a problem, but he's saying the right things. 
So he needs to tighten up his accent and some of the way he um, um, verbalizes concepts. But what he's actually saying makes a lot of sense to me. Now let's come to this to the final path here, right? Or final option. The final option is sticking it out at SAPA, wherever it is, and getting your executive MBA. Now, a lot of people don't like that option, but it's not such a bad option here. If Because if you've got to think about this in practical terms, if you are staying at SAP or Infosys or Wipro, the odds are pretty high you would um, be looking to join the BTO or the BCG equivalent IT strategy practice, right? Having that leadership experience at an IT services firm or IT programming or IT hardware firm is obviously useful because you've managed teams, you've managed programs, you've shown progression, and you understand the technical side of IT, and you've obviously shown more of it because you've stayed there rather than quitting to do your MBA full-time. An executive MBA confers the fact that you understand business, so that box is ticked. Now, some of you are going to say, but an executive MBA doesn't have the cachet of a full-time program. That's true, but it's true all other things being equal. And I can show you for two resumes, all other things are not equal. So let's put it this way, right? You've got to look at it as a set of, of, of gates. The first gate that uh, a BCG McKinsey recruiter or partner is going to look at is, you know, do you have good undergraduate degree? Do you have good grades? Did you show leadership? Can you show you can get things done on your resume? If you have that, you're fine. Next, the recruiter would say, okay, you went to a, let's assume now we, we look at the MBA path, right? You went to a full-time MBA program versus a part-time MBA program or executive program or weekend program, whatever you want to call it. To me, they're all the same thing. They're all executive. Now, to the recruiter, the guy who went for the full-time program is going to appear to be better, but that appear to be better part can very easily switch off and appear to be not so good when you're brought in for the interview and you don't actually perform that well. Now let's look at the guy who did his executive program. On paper, yeah, you're not as attractive as the guy who did the full-time program. But if you can show you know, a, a strong career progression, managing important projects, leading important initiatives to the firm, you get the nod for the interview. Now, two people coming in for an interview, the recruiter doesn't say, oh, your resume looks better, let's hire you. No one cares about that. Once you get the interview, it's how you perform in the interview. So, if you were to summarize this, the MBA is helping you get the interview. Now, you could ask yourself this. Is my best route to get the interview with a full-time MBA and foregoing all those earnings, all the experience and all the responsibility and career progression, or is it through an executive program? Now, my, my, my big argument that I'm making here is that a lot of people discount the executive program because they don't understand it. And they don't understand how the consulting firms are using the, the MBA type of, the type of MBA degree you have to determine whether you should get the interview. And I'm, I'm making the argument that a well-crafted resume with the right kind of career progression attached to a executive program 
can open the same interview doors as a full-time MBA program, right? And that's the argument I'm making, and I'm basing this based on the, our actual clients who we follow that program for them. Now, the other, argument, the other argument I'm making is that once you get the interview, whether you fix the material defects in your background is what is going to determine whether you convert that interview to an offer. So when you're making this decision, full-time MBA versus part-time MBA, executive program versus full-time program, I think you want to compare two things here. You want to say, hey, how much of or how big is my bag of material defects? Now, if you've got this massive bag of material defects that you're carrying over your shoulder and hunching your way through business school, you basically got a ticking time bomb in your knapsack because you've spent all this money, come the interview, it's going to blow up in your face because you haven't fixed the material defects. Now, if you fix the material defects and you still want to do a full-time MBA, that's okay. But yes, logic. If you fix the material defects, you've got a good resume. Why in the world would you forego a career path of leadership, a full salary, and all the incremental experience you're going to gain? Why would you do that? So, so when people are telling me, Michael, I want to go do a full-time program, I'm always asking them, okay, but have you considered the fact that you could do a part-time program and still get the interview, and if you fix the defects or the development, I'm going to stop using the word defects, the development areas you have for cases and image management, the way you communicate, you could still get the offer. Do you understand that? And they never think and say, well, no, I never thought that. So you've got to put this in perspective, right? And the, the final thing I, I want to point out here is that everyone wants to be a strategy consultant. I mean, everyone. I was a corp I was a pure strategy consultant, a corporate strategy consultant, so I can understand the, um, the, the, um, the excitement that goes with be telling people you're a strategy consultant. But I can assure you, it didn't excite many people. Um, none of my friends even knew what a strategy consultant was. But my, my point is... If you want to if you want to do your full-time MBA program and transition out of technology consulting, I think the full-time program is best for you. But just because you did a full-time program doesn't mean you're going to transition out. It still comes down to the bag of defects or development areas that you're carrying on your back. Now just remember this, right? Again, let's do comparisons. If you are 28 years at Infosys, you've never done IT, you've never done strategy work, general strategy work. The bag of development areas you're going to be carrying on your back is much bigger because you don't know much about business. And let me tell you something, just because you did your MBA doesn't mean you understand business, right? It takes a lot of effort to, to, to take the principles taught in your MBA program and then sort of tease out and pass out the ones that are useful for consulting interviews or learn how to apply them in consulting interviews. So that, that bag you're carrying on your back is much bigger. If you're 29 or 28, you do an executive program at Kellogg, you stay at Wipro or Infosys, you, you, you progress up and get more and more promotions, you are most likely a candidate for McKinsey BTO. But the development bag on your back is much smaller 
because you're pursuing a technology oriented consulting role the gap between what you know and what you need to know is much smaller now you could always argue and say okay but yeah michael i hear that but i still want to be a general strategy cons consultant i'm saying that's fine but as i said before make sure that the material defects or development areas you have are not so big that an MBA is not going to allow you to overcome them, or even an MBA cannot allow you to overcome. I think that's a very important consideration you may you need to take into account, because you know I always tell I always you know tell um, 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 administrators from universities when I meet them from the MBA programs that you know you should be thankful for McKinsey, Bain, and BCG because if those firms didn't exist, your enrollment rates would drop substantially, right? Because that's why people are going in there. Hopefully land a job in banking and hopefully land a job in consulting. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But my point is when you make this decision, be realistic about it. Remember something. If you're doing an MBA just to get an interview, you are making the very, very big assumption that you have the skills to convert the interview to a full-time offer. And that is the assumption you need to test. And if the and if you, you are not sure that that assumption is true, then you obviously shouldn't do this. On the other hand, if you think the leap is too big to make and you feel that, you know what, the opportunity cost is too high and you are happy to go into strategy consulting on the IT side, then I would advise you to stay in... Um, the role you're now doing at, at whichever technology firm or services technology firm, do an executive program, but build your profile so that you have other elements like leadership and roles you've, you've led that make you attractive to recruiters. Again, it all comes down to the amount, to the size of the development bag you want to carry. The bigger the bag, the more effort required to overcome the development areas you have. So, you know, what do you do? Stand in front of the mirror, carry a heavy knapsack and see whether you fall over. As always, if you would like to, you know, post any questions, make, make any comments, please feel free to contact me and I'll be happy to respond as needed.